Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. When I was praying for you all this morning, um, you know, I, I prepare to teach the Bible, and that's always good. You could open the Bible anywhere and teach it, and it's always good. But I'm always, as a pastor, looking for what the Lord might have in particular for a particular group of people at a particular time in history. Do you think that there might be something like that, a particular word for a particular group of people? No, you don't. You do? Okay. <laughs> I want to make sure we're on the same page. I believe that. Um, and this, this morning, I just, you know, I, I wait before the Lord. I mean, I prepare and pray all, all the time, all week long. Um, but I felt a particular word or thought came to mind um, worth saying to you. I'm hearing the phone ring, and that caught my attention. I thought, where is that from? Are you calling, Lord? <laughs> Pick up the phone. <laughs> Did you hear the phone ringing? Okay. <laughs> Jesus is calling. So I, I thought I heard, this thought just came to mind. Sometimes when you're seeking the Lord and a thought comes out of nowhere, it might be the leading of the Holy Spirit. It might be the way God's speaking to you. Sometimes you have that happen? Yeah, okay. So I, I heard words something like this. Um, like God might have been speaking to us as a people, this encouragement. I have chosen you in particular, you that are part of a particular church here in Oceanside. I've chosen you for this place and this time. And the idea being that at this particular time, in this particular place, there's some great stuff, there's things to be joyful about, there's blessings, and at this particular time, in this particular place, there's all sorts of bad stuff. If you have um, something called a, a, a phone, that's called a smartphone, although I'm not sure how smart it really is, um, and you get on social media, you see what's happening in the world, and you see a lot of bad stuff. You know, you see Ukraine, you see shootings in schools. There's, you see um, people lying in the streets sometimes. There's, there was a, a friend of ours passed out in front of our building um, due to decisions and circumstances, a guy I love, but that's the reality. I've called you for this place and this time. And the thought was that when there are times of trouble, times of sorrow, big issues to solve, that God calls a people to be there, to be part of his solution to the problem. Did you know that? So sometimes we could say, oh, why do we have to live in this place when you see bad stuff around? But it might be that God has called you to live at this place where the bad stuff is around because he's called you to be the solution. I mean, I think that's reality. And immediately I thought of what Jesus said, and he's, you know, an example to us. This is not what I'm talking about, although it could relate to it. When he found himself in a really bad place at a really bad time with very specific challenges, he got up and spoke from the prophet Isaiah these words, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Um, you could say that, by the way, if you belong to Jesus, you could say the Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, he has specially equipped and empowered me to preach 
the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is a quote from Isaiah's prophecy in what we would have as the 61st chapter. In the 60th chapter, right before the prophet said those words that Jesus quoted, he said this to the people of God, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. And thick darkness is over the peoples, which you would have to say is true, right? There's darkness in the earth. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. So perhaps there's just a reminder for us. This would be true of all people at all time, but just spoken fresh for you this morning. If you're ever frustrated or discouraged or especially joyful, to know that God has chosen you for this place and this time. It's not just an accident that you are where you are, especially if you're someone who's given the lordship of your life to Jesus and you've asked him to lead you and guide you. Guess what he does when you ask him to do that? He leads you and guides you. And sometimes you end up in kind of weird places and you're like, oh, I guess he didn't lead me. No, maybe he led you to the weird place. (laughs) And uh, one of the major weapons or tools we've been talking about for being the people of God to help accomplish his purposes and advance his kingdom against the kingdom of darkness is prayer. So we've, um, for the last three Sundays here, been talking about and learning about the effectiveness of prayer, the power of prayer, how we can be more equipped to pray, what prayer accomplishes. And so we're going to do that a little bit more. I've I've called the, you know, you always got to look for a title, right? So I call it the prayer-empowered life. And we're going to continue with that. Um, But before we go any farther, I have a request from our friends in Pakistan. Some of you know that um, when we had to go online for because of COVID and you know no church physically, and we were just you know doing Zoom and and other ways streaming, we met some new friends from Pakistan, and they became really good friends. They started coming to the meetings online, and they were part of our online church, and um, there's a family connected to a, a pastor, Pastor Shazad, and they might be, you guys might be watching right now, I don't know, you often watch. One of their sons is in France where he's doing work. But anyway, if you don't know Pakistan, it's a country, it's one of the places on the planet where if you're a Christian, you are likely to get persecuted, like legit persecution. Um, when you were born there, like here, you're, you're given a social security number. There, you're given an ID with a label of Muslim or some other religion or Christian. And if you're given the label Christian, you are treated as a second-class citizen. You're not liable to get a decent job. We have a friend there who, I forget, high education, and his job is to clean out sewer lines because that's all he can do because his ID says Christian. So our friend, Pastor Shazad, who leads a wonderful church, um, lots of ministry happening, lots of work in people's houses, um, maybe 400 people or so. I mean, really substantial church, especially in a country like that. He's very ill right now. He has um, diabetes and some kidney failure. 
some issues with his liver as a result. And they specifically asked, and I got a message yesterday, could your church pray for Pastor Shazad today? So would you, would be, you could pray with me right now? Yeah. So if you're listening, um, Pastor Shazad and David and Solomon, we love you guys. If you're watching us, you just know there's people here and we love you. And we're so thankful that we've gotten to know you in this last couple years. And we're going to join you in asking God to heal your dad, Pastor Shazad. Father, we come to you in faith, remembering that Jesus said we should pray for sick people, and that Jesus said this sign would follow those who believe when they pray for sick people, they'd get better. So we're calling on you, O God. We're calling on you. Hear our prayer. Listen to us calling to you that our brother in Pakistan needs healing. He's not getting the treatment he needs because of his label as a Christian. The hospitals don't treat him right. He needs help. And we pray, God, that you would give him favor in every way. We pray that you'd give, uh, on the practical side, money so they can go to a private hospital and get some dialysis. But we pray from the supernatural realm of the heavens that you would touch his body right now and that you'd cause his kidneys to begin functioning again, that he would have health, that his liver would kick back into full strength. And we even pray that you would heal him of diabetes that that would be done, and that he would continue to be strong and flourish and lead this church and lead this family to be a blessing to the hundreds of people this church blesses. We pray for Pastor Pastor Shazad in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. I appreciate that. So, back to prayer. Does anyone remember anything that we've learned in the last few weeks? Let's see if we've... Have we done a good job? Does anyone remember anything, any principles about prayer? Shout it out. Oh, you're too quiet. How's your memory? Oh, they're, they're like, oh, let me put my notes. Oh, you remember the word importunity. What does importunity mean? Shameless boldness. So importunity was a word that is used in some of the translations where um, Jesus gave stories and said, you ought to be like someone who's so urgent about getting their need met, that they just run past propriety. They are so urgent to say to God, I need this solution, that, that they don't care about doing things all polite. Oh, yeah, like an East Coast person, right? Not like a Midwest, oh, so kind and polite. You betcha. But we're like, hey, I need some help right now, you know. That actually is the attitude that Jesus is after. Okay, thank you, Shannon. Importunity. Shannon gets an A. Who else remembers anything? Push. What was push? Pray until something happens. The acronym PUSH. So that is the the idea of perseverance. Sometimes prayers, things that we believe, we certainly think that God has, has shown it is his will to accomplish, aren't accomplished right away. And one of the things we learned was it, it, apparently God, who is sovereign, who could do anything he wants to, has decided this is what he wants to do. He wants to partner with people like you and me to accomplish his purposes. And sometimes he delays his answer until people like you and I ask him to do the thing that's already in his heart to do. You can see that through the whole Bible story. 
He'll even prophesy that something's going to happen, but it doesn't happen until his people begin to pray that the very thing that God prophesied would happen will happen, then he responds. But on top of that, sometimes the situations are so complicated and so many people have to be moved and, and convinced and coordinated and so many events have to happen that it's a long process. So the idea is pray and keep praying. Jesus said it this way. Here's a parable. He said it. Here's a story so that you will pray and keep praying and not give up. Okay, so we've got importunity, we've got push, perseverance. Anything else? You're doing great. Empowerment. Tell me more about empowerment. Okay, so a, a kind of a goal of prayer that we're taught in Scripture and an effect that we'll see, and we read about it in the early church when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, we read about it in Acts chapter 2, was to be empowered to, to do the works of Jesus' kingdom, to do the kind of things that Jesus did. Praying for empowerment is a really great prayer. It's a prayer that we know is in line with God's will. You guys have been paying attention. We've also been seeing um, in our, just our own story a lot more prayer around here and we've been seeing prayers answered quickly, and that's been, that's been exciting. But I want to keep going with that. I'm hoping that we are becoming a people who are becoming a people of prayer. Remember, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer, right? And in fact, um, Dustin's here somewhere, I saw him, and he is coming and leading a house of prayer here um, every Thursday at noon, every first and third Monday, the next one would be June 6th, I guess, when we're at Zambia dinner. There's also going to be prayer here, as far as I understand, unless they change that. Anyway, there's prayer in the building where we're calling on God for him to do his work. We have a prayer meeting from Tuesday through Thursday at 7 a.m. on Zoom. I really encourage you to go to that. It's one of my favorite times of the week. And we're discovering that when we pray, the Lord is answering. Okay, so we had push, we had importunity. One of the things we said was that we've learned that prayer changes the course of history. Remember that? Literally changes the course of history. And we also learned what I, what I just said briefly, but I'll say it a different way, is that not only is prayer effective, sometimes it's necessary that God will not act. Even though he has a desire, a stated desire to do something, God will not act until he moves someone to begin to ask him for the very thing that he wants to do in the earth. So you are called to this place in this time. You're part of a community of people at this place and at this time. And one of your weapons or tools, your weapons of spiritual warfare, to come against the kingdom of darkness that is behind all of the bad stuff you see in life, all of the violence, all of the craziness, all of the addiction, even behind the poverty, all that is, is the ultimate work of Satan. And we're called to come against his kingdom with the kingdom of God. So there's a kind of a war mentality, right? And, and we've even said for a church here that's been here, you know, for a minute, we've been meeting in some context since 1995, this church. So we're not like super young. We're still a little, little older, some of us. But we decided uh, about a month ago that we ought to think of ourselves with a mindset 
of people that are just arriving in town to plant a church for the first time. We're thinking, okay, we're not old and dying. We are just a really well-resourced church planting team. So we're showing up in town. We're bringing the kingdom of God because he's filled us with his spirit. We're all in. We are people who are inviting people to follow Jesus with us. We're in people who are giving of our time and our talent and our treasure. We are people who are committed to the works of the kingdom of God. We're committed to loving Jesus passionately. We're committed to growing together in the things of God. And there's a new life, but prayer is a big part of it. So, to, so today we're going to continue the idea of just looking at some of the teachings of Jesus about prayer. And we're going to go back to a really simple one, or a really, not simple, actually not simple, but well-known, commonly called the Lord's Prayer. It's really the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples to pray, so you might call it the Disciples' Prayer. And, and if you're Catholic, you probably call it the Our Father, right? Is that, am I right? The Our Father. So it's, it's that prayer, but it turns out that that prayer is much more than just words that you could repeat as a prayer. It is that. It's a good prayer to pray. But in the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer are some thoughts and concepts that, in my opinion, can empower very specific prayers for very specific needs. You with me? There's some, there's some lessons to learn that um, are foundational and are for the heart, I think, that will help us to pray for the very specific problems that we are running into in our lives. And hopefully, you're alive, therefore you're running into specific problems, therefore you need to pray for the problems to be solved, right? Don't, don't curse the problems, don't curse the darkness. Be joyful that you're called into that problem to be a solution, you know? Um, Lord, we're going to talk about that prayer you taught us. And we want to learn more. We want to be a people of prayer. We want to be a people about your kingdom business. We accept your challenge, your call, your positioning. We accept that you've called us to be here at this time, at this place, to be your hands. And instead of complaining about problems we see, or shaking our head, or clicking our tongues, we are going to seek you in prayer to be the solution and the answer. We're going to be able to say with Jesus, we're asking that we be able to say with Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, for he's anointed us to bring the message of good news to the poor, to open blind eyes, to set prisoners free, to declare it's the year of the Lord's favor. Speak to us, we pray. Help us grow in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm just put up the text, and I'm sure he's got it on the screen if you want to see it too, but there's two places, one in Matthew and one in Luke, where this prayer is spelled out by Jesus, and here's how it goes in Matthew. This then, Jesus is speaking, is how you should pray. You know, these, these words you know, probably memorized, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Or forgive us our sins as we've also forgiven everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So what's the first word of that prayer? 
Good. That was not a hard test. It wasn't a trick question. Our. And I'm serious. I'm not just being all, you know, picky. That word is super important because it anchors us in the reality that our relationship with God is in the context of a community. It's really true. Individuals matter to God, and especially in Western culture, there's been a great emphasis on the reality that people go to God by themselves, for themselves, one-on-one, and there's, there's truth there. Individuals matter to God. You are individually important. Every person is made in the image of God, so every person has great value. But it's one thing to be valuing individual, and it's another thing to be individualistic or into individualism, which puts such a priority on the individual that it devalues what we are together. And that's not the way of following Jesus. We are anchored in community. And when I pray, I try to start out with this prayer, remembering it's us, not me. In fact, all through this prayer, every pronoun is going to be plural. Our Father, give us our daily bread, forgives us our sins. It's all us and our. In the Christian mindset, it's not ever us and them or just me. There's always a a context and a, a valuing of what we are together. And one of the things that people have noticed is over the past couple of years, because of COVID and pandemic and shutdowns, people in many cases have become just me, a bunch of me's with um, a computer screen, but not a we. Did I just step on anyone's toes? I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to. I just want to say there is a value in we. There's a value in being together. We grow best when we are in community. In fact, we learn to love by being around unlovely people. That's one of the main reasons for the body of Christ. We learn how to forgive by being around people that we need to forgive, right? We learn how to be patient by being around people for whom patience is needed. And if you're not, that, if you're not someone who feels like you need a lot of patience for other people, guess what? Guess who you are? Oh, well, see, that's right. It's true. Listen to these words of Jesus. When, well, I'll just ask you. Um, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment, what did he say? And what else did he say? Yeah, and you can't hear them on on Zoom and Facebook Live, but they said Jesus actually said, he was asked, what's the one commandment? And he said, well, there's two that are kind of the same. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you fulfill these two, everything that the entire scriptures have to say is fulfilled. It is we, our. 
Hours huge, folks. So when I'm beginning to pray for any particular situation, just like we did earlier, we prayed for Pakistan, we prayed for Poland, we were thinking our. We were in line with this mentality of our Father who lives in the heavens. Our, our. Jesus said, oh, I don't have it in there. I was going to quote you another verse, and I didn't put it in my notes, so I can't. But he basically said this, if you are um, going to worship and someone has something against you, just stop worshiping for a second. Go deal with your friend, get it right, and then come back and worship. Because our relationship with each other is directly related to our relationship with God. What's the second word? Our Father. Oh, there it is. Thank you. So I gave it to you, but I didn't give it to me in my notes. <laughs> yeah, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. I may, what I do is I make notes for them. I make notes for me. And sometimes I make mistakes for all of us. <laughs> so I've done that. Um, I'm thinking, for me personally, that this next word is perhaps the greatest revelation of the whole thing. God is Father. Jesus revealed a lot of things about God, but, but perhaps the greatest thing he revealed was that God Almighty is God our Father. And he called him Abba. You know, when, when Jesus prayed, he always directed his prayer to Father. And it's a huge revelation. It's really, really important. If you get the idea, like you grasp it, that your relationship with God is like a relationship with a loving Father, it changes everything about your life. It really does. When you start to get the reality that God is a Father who adores you, who's already pleased with you, who loves you intimately. Have you seen, um, Dakota was around with a new baby. Have you seen this dad with his new baby? He just adores her. He just, well, she's cute, yeah, but he's a dad that loves his daughter. Now, the reality is Jesus taught this over and over that is the way God, the creator of heaven and earth, sees you. Like, a father that loves a daughter like that has this attitude like she can do no wrong. It just, if she does wrong, it's okay, I'll forgive her. When you think of a perfect, perfect father, not your real father that you have, you know, but the, a perfect father, what, what are some of the attributes of a perfect father? Again, I'm talking to you, so you talk to me. We're... Unconditional love. Unconditional love. Your God is a God who loves like a father of unconditional love. What else? Forgiving. Oh, my gosh. So quick to forgive. Protecting. Your God that you're praying to with our Father is a God who protects you. What else? Patient. Oh, I like that. Aren't you glad God is patient with you? Oh, my goodness. What else? Un he understands you. He's so interested in you. He's not aloof. 
He's not a God who's like busy about his job, so he doesn't have time for his kids. But he's the God who shows up to the baseball game and knows what position you play and is so proud of you and is cheering you on in the stands. When you get this, when you can grasp that God is one who would say, I'm for you, I love you, take risks. If you mess up, I got your back, it's all good. And I'm not mad at you. I'm pleased with you. When you know that, you can live not for approval, but from approval. If you try to live for approval, you will live like a slave. But if you know that God is so pleased with you, and you can hardly mess things up. I mean, you can try, but he's still going to forgive you. He's going to go after you. He's pleased with you. When you understand how happy God is about you because he's a father who sees you as his child, it changes everything. You are free to live and you stop feeling the need to be competitive with everybody because you don't have to compare and try to prove yourself because the person who matters most loves you so much. It changes everything. So when I pray... Lord, help this microphone. I'm thinking, our, we all need this mic to work. And Father, I think we have a bad um, wire or something, but maybe, maybe we solved it. Okay. Our Father. Romans says this, Romans, Paul's writing, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is an Aramaic word Jesus used that means daddy. And probably not a lot of you do it, but if you were to pray and pray, daddy. If you were to pray, daddy, you'd be right in line with Jesus. Okay, I'm going to drive you crazy. Where's the mic over here? No, I'm going to grab a wireless one, Ernesto. Thank you. Sorry, I'm probably driving you guys crazy with the static, right? Uh, someone said you're all right. Someone said, well, a little bit, Ron, to be honest. How about this? Okay. Thank you for your patience. We call Abba Father. Abba is, you, you can hear the sound of a baby saying, Abba. Abba, can you hear that? That if you were if you were a little Jewish boy or girl, you would learn to say Abba, Ima and Abba. This is the words of a theologian, J.I. Packer. He says this: You sum up the whole of New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy Father. If you want to judge how well a person truly understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father, having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything Christ taught, this is a really important theologian in the last century, everything that is distinctively Christian, 
Everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old is summed up in the knowledge of the Father of God. Father is the Christian name for God. Now, you know that God loves you because he has to. I mean, you might be thinking that theologically. And many people have trouble with the idea that God likes you. But did you know that that's what the Bible teaches? God, you're not sure. I could see it. God likes me. God is really into me. He really likes me. So here's just one, one place you could learn that from. Jesus was telling the disciples about prayer, and he said this, John 16. In that day, the day after I'm gone, and just it's just you and the Holy Spirit in you, in that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I'll ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you've loved me. And I believe that I came from God. Now, some of you know that in the Greek language, this, this was written in Greek, there are four different words for love that just get collapsed into one word love in English. Did you know that? Can you name one of them? Agape, yeah. Agape is the most common one. It turns out this word here is not agape. Agape is the kind of love that God has that is completely dependent on his character, his nature, not on the, um, the lovableness of the person being loved. It's a goodness and a kindness and a care for others that's always thinking of the other. It's the God kind of love, agape love. And it's, it's a love that's good to have. But another kind is the kind after which a certain cities named Philadelphia, Philadelphia, phileo. Now, phileo is brotherly love, and it means tender affection. That's actually the word that's being used here. When it says, the Father himself loves you, the word is the Father himself's phileo you. He loves you with tender affection. It's, according to one Bible dictionary, it's the love of ardent affection and feeling. Our Father. When you pray, so I, I hope this doesn't sound too technical, but I, I, I feel like if you get this, if I get this, it changes my prayers. When I begin to pray, I'm already thinking, okay, it's not just about me. I'm in a community of people, and God is caring about how we interact with each other, how we love each other, how that impacts the world that we're part of. It's an our kind of prayer. And the person I'm praying to likes me, approves of me, is affectionate toward me, our Father. And that so changes, um, if I were to pray, Almighty God, that's good and authoritative, but it's so impersonal compared to what Jesus said. When you pray, pray, our Father. And the next phrase is, who, well, if it's the old language, you'd say, who art in heaven, or who is in heaven, or who lives in heaven. It's actually in, in the Greek, it's plural, in the heavens. Now, when you think of the heavens, I'm not sure what you think, but you've heard of like the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven, you know, that kind of language. The heavens means kind of a, a range of things. It means the atmosphere that's right here. So when we say our Father who is in heaven, we don't mean our Father who's so far away. We literally mean our Father who's right here. So he's intimate. I'm in a relationship with him, but he's also right here in the atmosphere around me. And it also means the fullness of the heavens, which would include 
the billions of stars that are far away in what we call the heavens, right? The night heavens. The one who created those stars, put them in place, names them actually, which is too much for me to understand because there's billions and billions of stars. He's the one I'm praying to. And when I pray to my Father who is in the heavens, I'm praying to someone who has a perspective that's so much bigger than mine. He sees the end from the beginning. He sees things from the eagle's point of view. He sees the whole picture. And when I'm praying to our Father in the heavens, I know that not only is he near, but I have access to the one who knows everything as it really is with the right kind of perspective that can bring his perspective to me. And that can give me great hope so that I know how to pray correctly and so that I'm not worried about things that I don't need to worry about because I have a small perspective. Did that make sense? Our God, our Father, who is in the heavens. Also, he is not only my Father that's intimately connected to me, that loves me, that he's near, that he's affectionate. He's the kind of person who would put his arm around me or hold me in his lap. But he's also the Father who created the heavens. He has the infinite resource of the heavens. So my confidence when I'm praying for a particular situation is in the tender affection of a God who's thinking about us, who has the resources and the perspective of the heavens at large. And that expands my whole approach and perspective in prayer. Does that work for you? Can you see how that would work? Okay. I want to make sure you're getting this. Because the goal is that you and I become people who are really effective in praying because prayer is God's primary way or at least one of the important ways of getting his desires and will accomplished on the earth. And Jesus taught us to pray this way, our Father who is in the heavens. What's the next phrase? Say it together. What is it? What does hallowed mean? Job. Oh, what did you say, Amy? Oh, she said, worship team for the win. <laughs> That's good. Holy. What does holy mean? You guys are smart. It means set apart, yeah. So the first, this is like the first request now, having the perspective of our Intimate Father, with the perspective of the heavens, here's the first thing we're saying, Lord, we want you to be hallowed. I want you to be held in the highest esteem. I want you to receive worship in my life. As I approach you, God, I'm saying you are holy and I worship you. And I'm also calling out for the hope and the desire that the whole earth would be filled with your worship. That people everywhere, the person I'm praying for right now, would hallow you, would call you holy, would set apart you in their heart. Because if they do, it will change their situation before we even get to the situation that we're praying for. You see that? If someone can get a hold of the fact that they're part of a community, that they're talking to a God, or that I'm talking to a God who's like a father to them, who has the perspective of heavens, who ought to be held in the highest esteem and worshipped, it will change their life before we even get to the particular problem that we're praying for. Our Father in the heavens, hallowed be your name in my life. Lord, the whole earth is filled with your glory, but may the earth be filled with the knowledge of your glory. May they know you. May they experience you. May you be hallowed everywhere. So it's a worship experience to get this prayer going. 
This is a great way to pray for anything. You know, you're praying for um, someone who needs a job. You could start praying, our, and you're thinking, okay, I'm praying for a friend. We're in a community together. Father, oh, you, that's right. You love him. You love me. You care affectionately for us. You like us. You're for us. You're not against us. You're pleased with us. You're not mad at us. You're not withholding because you're irritated with us, but you love us. And you're the father from the heavens. You have all the resource and the wisdom of heaven. You know where the job needs to come from, and you can provide, and you can move. I got this in my heart. My faith is being built up. Lord, hallowed be your name. Be worshipped. I'm hearing guitar music. (laughs) Because of worship, right? Hallowed be your name. And then the next thing is, what's the next phrase? Your kingdom come. What does kingdom mean? God's rulership? The reign? So it's the dynamic, active will of God being accomplished. It's where what God wants done is done. Now, there's a place in the universe where what God wants done doesn't always get done right now. And that only place is here on earth. Because he's given us, at least for a little season, the ability to say, no, I want to do it my way. Stay away. I reject you. Humans can do that right now. Not forever. The day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father. Right now, you can reject him if you want. I don't recommend it. It won't go well for you. But people can, and God will give them the thing that they ask. But we are praying, Lord, let what you want to be accomplished be accomplished in our world, in our life. Um, I like this idea. It's the presence. You've heard me say this before. I'm quoting from a theologian way back in the 1950s, all the way through the 70s, early 80s, George Eldon Ladd, who said the the kingdom of God is the presence of the future breaking into our time now. So we live in this evil age before the return of Jesus, but yet the kingdom of God is here in a taste. And when we pray your kingdom come, we're saying, Lord, bring that which is from the future into the now. That's what we pray when we're praying for healing. Let the healing of the future come into the now. Let your kingdom come. Let your ruling, reigning power come here against the kingdom of darkness that's called all this havoc in the world around me. Our Father in heaven, your name be hallowed. Now bring your kingdom to bear. Let your will be done here and now as it is in heaven. And there's so much power in that prayer. And when you pray that, again, it applies to every situation. As things are done in heaven, where everyone obeys you immediately, where everything you want is done, where there's no more sorrow, no mourning, no tears, no death, no sickness, no violence, no none of that sin, it's gone. Lord, let that come now. You can pray that in general. You can pray that for the particular situation that's at hand. It also carries the sense of shalom. You know what the word shalom means? Peace, yeah. Um, And it's the kind of peace where everything is right, where all needs are met, where there is no injustice, but there's nothing but justice and righteousness, where there's abundant provision for everything, where all the relationships are flourishing. The prayer for your kingdom to come means let the shalom of God's kingdom be here. You can pray that prayer when someone is in stress and God answers. I've seen this happen Countless times where I simply call on God to bring his kingdom 
for he's the Prince of Peace, and stress is gone, and fear is gone. And the person's whole demeanor changes before the issue that we're praying for even gets addressed. You know what I'm talking about? You have, now, listen, you're called to this place at this time. You have it in your hand right now. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you run into any person who is troubled, know this. You can pray and call on your Father who's pleased with you, who's in the heavens, and ask him to bring his kingdom to come, and it will change the, the, the sense, the demeanor, the anxiety will go. It will change the situation for the person that you're praying for. You're called to be that kind of solution. You're called to be God's hand of blessing. Prayer is a weapon that you can use, a tool you can use to bring the blessing of God's kingdom in the future into the now, into the present situation. So when you pray, pray our Father in the heavens. Be praised and let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. How are we doing? Can I keep going? Oh, I'm not sure. Okay. Oh, 11. You got, are you thinking about the bake sale? I shouldn't have made you think about it, huh? You were doing so good until that moment. Give us our daily bread. This is an interesting part of the way to pray. So in one sense, this means, you know what? Realize that we live in a dependent relationship on God. We're not to be independent. We can see that our daily resource for as simple things as our next meal, everything that we need comes from God's hand. So we look to him and ask him importunately, ask him persistently for simple things like the paycheck, like the money to pay the rent, like the next meal, our daily bread. But as it turns out, it's a little more complicated than that, or a little better than that. Um, Jesus used bread as a metaphor for a lot of things. He said, I'm the bread of life. Remember that? And this word daily, it turns out, is a strange word in Greek. It's used only twice in the Bible, here and in Luke, in the Lord's Prayer. And the people that translate, you know, from one language to the next have struggled with this particular word. I did a bunch of reading about it and was surprised. It literally means tomorrow's bread. And many people believe that it really should be translated like this. Give us today tomorrow's bread. Give us today tomorrow's bread. There's, there's some pictures there that, will, that are really useful for me. One is the picture of what I just said, living in the presence of the future. We're asking for the resources of the future to break in now. Lord, give us a taste of the power of the coming age. That's language out of the Bible. Give us tomorrow's bread today. Give us what we need tomorrow. But there's another picture. Do you remember the time when the Israelite people got manna every day and they could only get manna for today? Remember that? Do you remember there was one day when they could get tomorrow's manna today? What day was that? The day before the Sabbath. The day before entering into the rest of the Lord. The day before ceasing working and just resting and worshiping. There's a picture where we ask for tomorrow's bread today so that we can enter into the peaceful rest of the Lord and cease striving and cease working so hard because our God has provided for every need that we have. Our Father 
in the heavens. Let your kingdom come as you're hallowed. Let your will be done. Give us today tomorrow's bread. And lead us not into temptation because we can find it ourselves. Isn't that how you feel sometimes? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'm the only one that ever has temptation. No. Anyone else? Somebody? Oh, Chris, you and me. Okay. Do you know that there was one person who was led into temptation by the Holy Spirit? You ever think of that? This is Jesus saying, pray this way. Pray that you don't go through what I went through. Huh? Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit after his baptism into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. It was a rough time. And he seems to be saying, pray that you don't have to go through those kind of temptations. Pray that your circumstances in life don't expose you to the temptations of Satan in case you might fall. Instead, pray that you be delivered from the evil one, from Satan. It's a good prayer, a daily prayer. Lord, keep, and it's a good prayer for the specific situation that you're facing. Lord, would you arrange our circumstances so that we don't fall under the temptation of Satan to make bad choices that will injure us in the end. Rather, deliver us from the temptations and the trials and the tests that Satan tries to bring our way. Deliver us from the evil one. One other thought. Maybe a couple more thoughts. Let me go back to the prayer. Uh, you know what I skipped over? Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. It's going by memory and skip that one, but it's related. There's a continual need. If we claim to be without sin, we lie. We're not telling the truth. There's a continual answer. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. And, and the picture here is, again, in our situation. Forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of those who sin against us. I love this sentence. Our relationship with God is woven into the fabric of our relationship with each other. We cannot break one thread without breaking the other. Can you picture that fabric that's woven you know, across perpendicular to each other, the thread of our vertical and the thread of our horizontal. So forgiveness is always two ways. I receive forgiveness, I give forgiveness. Because if I receive forgiveness from God, I've come to a humble place to realize that I'm just like everyone else and I need forgiveness. And therefore, I can't hold something against you because you're just like me. And the thing that you did to me, I probably did to someone else. I receive forgiveness, so I forgive you. And in that way, love abounds. And in that way, unity abounds. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. And the, the other thought I wanted to tell you was just the, the language that we miss in English is give and keep giving. Give and keep giving. That's, it's, it's an ongoing call that's continuous in the present tense. And I'm told from Greek, Greek, Greek scholars 
that we miss it in the English, that it's really there. Lord, give and keep on giving. Lord, come and keep on coming. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let it keep on coming. Present tense, continual, let it happen. And in this way, our prayers are effective. Now, you remember maybe last week we read these words that Jesus said. Here's the story. If you remain and abide in me, and my words remain and abide in you, then ask, make prayer requests, and I'll answer those prayer requests. The result will be, you'll be fruitful, which makes God's happy, he said, and everyone will know you're my disciples. So they'll know about me. If my word abides in you, and you abide in me, pray, you'll get the answer, you'll be fruitful, and everyone will know that you belong to Jesus. That's going on here. And here's how to pray. Our Father, who, who lives in the heavens, your name be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Be worshipped. Your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on my situation, on earth, in Oceanside, the Grace Vineyard. Let your will be done as it is in heaven. Give us today the bread of tomorrow. Give us everything we need. Give us everything we need. Forgive us our debts. We forgive others. Keep us away from temptation that could harm us. Deliver us from the evil one. And some of the, the manuscripts add, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I hope, I hope those thoughts will be helpful for you as they are to me in your prayers today and every day. Be a people of prayer. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, as you go about your day, remember we said prayer is just having a conversation with God about what we're doing together. About what you're doing with me. Because you are called to this place at this time with this people to be God's answer to the problems in this world so that his kingdom will come and his will will be done and destroy the works of the kingdom of darkness and bring the goodness of the kingdom of God so that people are set free, prisoners are set free, blind eyes are opened, good news is preached to the poor, and the glory of the Lord rises upon us. Um, worship Ben, could you guys come back up, Amy and whoever you want to come with you? Lord, let your kingdom come upon us even now, as we've been saying. Let your will, your reign, your goodness come upon us. Rest on your people. If perchance you're here in the room or you're watching online and you have never given the lordship of your life away to Jesus. I think that makes sense. You've never made him Lord. You're trying to be Lord. And as I often say, how's that working out for you? <laughs> Not so good, probably. If you're here or just hearing my voice, there's an invitation to you to enter into the goodness of God's world right now. It's called the kingdom of God. And 
The gospel message is the availability of God's kingdom right now for everybody. That's what Jesus spoke. He said, you guys, the kingdom of God is here now. Repent and believe the good news. It's accessible. It's right at hand. The realm of God's rulership where you have hope and love and joy and peace and faith and you experience life the way you've always wanted it, no matter the circumstances. That's available. Included in that whole story is the forgiveness of sins, everything that separates us from God, completely wiped away by the work of Jesus giving up his life, shedding his lifeblood on a cross, and then rising from the dead on the third day. The Bible teaches if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll enter into newness of life. You'll be born again. So if you're hearing me and you've never done that, I want to invite you right now. Just turn to the Lord. Say, Lord, I give you my life. I believe in you. I trust you with my life. Jesus, come take away my sins. Put your spirit within me and give me new life. Let me enter the kingdom of God. And let me be part of your kingdom solution to our world's problems. I receive you, Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.